0: There, welcome to Finding Our Rhythm podcast. I'm Lisa Work here with Rich Nelson, and we are excited to give you the latest episode with Kristen Wheeler, my friend, a modern iconographer. Hi, Kristen. Hey, how's it going? Not too bad. How about you? Pretty good. Would you tell us a little bit about yourself?
1: Sure. Um, So I'm what's called a modern iconographer. So I've actually studied traditional iconography, which we'll get into. Um, But modern is just more of a modern interpretation. And I'm also a creative writer. I work for United Think Offering as their kind of in-house artist and writer for them as well. Um, Yeah. And so that's pretty much what I do now is just iconography. People commission saints and I study them and paint them and run an online shop. So that's what I do now. And you had a
0: lot of people looking at your iconography and uh, you were part of a, a bigger showing of other uh, makers, correct? Correct. And, they, and I loved what you said about that, which was it wasn't just Christians or people who know about icons who were drawn to your iconography.
1: Right, that's a that's actually a big thing for me. Um, I would say probably a quarter of the original commissions that I've done have been for people who consider themselves um, atheist or agnostic, and that's something I'm actually really proud of because I feel like there's there's so much damage from the church, right? Um, the church, the big C overall, for so many people, um, not just the Episcopal Church, but Catholic Church, you know, any any church. Um, has caused damage to people. And I think that I believe personally that the saints can be a visual representation of that heart. And so traditional iconography for some people can be very hard to look at. Um, it was for me for a long time, like while I appreciate it historically and the you know theological, um, you know, all the theological pieces that go into it and are a part of it. But having that modern interpretation opens a new conversation for people for today. And that's what invites all those conversations when I'm doing, you know, an art show or, um, you know, if I'm set up at a booth or a speaking event or anything like that. that's That tends to um, what comes out is the people that who've been hurt by the church and then now have a new interpretation of that.
0: I love the fact that we use the word uh, that you write an icon. You don't paint it. You don't draw it. You don't uh, color it. So why do we use that word? Yes.
1: So So I, at first, when I started doing this, um, I kept saying, paint my version of an icon. And uh, several priest friends of mine corrected me and said, no, this is iconography and it's written, not painted. And so when I kind of took that on and realized that the prayer and the spiritual aspect of it is what makes it an icon, not because it's done traditionally, um, you you know, I just I, I took that on. And what it means when we say written an icon rather than painting an icon is that icons traditionally, you know, stained glass windows, iconography was traditionally done for people who were illiterate. So you had to tell a story through an image and Mm -hmm. it's the same as you're writing words, you're writing a story. So when you're sharing information about that icon, like when I've shared about my saints, which I know you've seen, um, you know, the story aligns with everything that you see in the image. And so that's why we say it's written instead of painted.
0: Full disclosure, uh, Kristen and I have talked about, um, me commissioning an icon from her. And uh, I, the first time you and I talked about it, Kristen, I'm like, I don't know which one, there's so many I like, how do I pick just one? Mm-hmm. And you shared some uh, really interesting things with me about why um, why I just needed to wait and be patient and the right one will come for it. Will you, will you share about that?
1: Yeah. So
0: (laughs) I'm just laughing because yeah. Um, Yeah. She remembers. I'm like, I thought like 25 of what wasn't that many, but there were a whole lot that I liked. Yeah.
1: So, um, I guess a little bit about me further, because that explains a lot of this is, um, I'm an incredibly spiritual person, obviously, but, um, there's also a very mystical side of me that I have, um, accepted and developed further. Um, I've realized that that's all, you know, part of who I am and part of who God made me to be. And part of that is um, a very high sense of intuition. And with the saints, I've had so many visions and so many um, dreams and thoughts and, you know, things that are unexplainable and interactions with people, with every single saint that you wouldn't believe if I told you. <laughs> and so when someone comes to me and they know they want one, but they don't know who, that tells me that there's that that drive there that they know that there's someone, but that person hasn't revealed themselves yet. So I know that like with you in particular, we'll use you as an example, since okay. this is just a test, is that you had several, you had probably 10 saints that you just absolutely loved and felt connection to. Mm -hmm. And I had told you, I said, but there's still one, there's still one trying to reach out to you that maybe all the other ones are calling you towards. Do you remember that? I totally
0: (laughs) remember that. And I went, that's real nice, Kristen, but I can't decide.
1: Right. (laughs) And I was like, just let it go. Just try not to, you know, try to interpret the world around you. Like it's more than just you know, seeing quotes or anything like that from other saints, there's going to be visuals, you might even, you know, have a dream or some sort of interpretation. And that seems to be what happened with you because you came back and said, uh, Florence Lee Tamoy (laughs) is my person. And I was like, see, and you knew.
0: (laughs) Yeah, without a doubt. It was interesting. You were exactly right. I needed to, which tends to be a theme this season, which I was trying to force it and figure it out And it was really about letting it go. And it would find me.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Because it's not like those other saints aren't important to you, but they were leading you towards her.
0: Absolutely.
1: Yeah. And that's just how I found, you know, that this, this process works. Like that's why this is so much more than art or just commissioning a piece of original art. It's personal. And as an artist, like I couldn't ask for anything more than that. Like when you're When your artwork means something to people and reaches beyond, you know, just visuals, but reaches people deeply with story and and all these other things, that's that's when things like this happen. So,
0: yeah, you also um, take some time to write a hagiography with it, too, correct?
1: I do. Yeah. I I spend a lot of time with the saints um, before I depict them in an icon because I need to know their story. I need to know what, you know, what to include. Um, so depending on who it is and how much information is out there about them, I could spend anywhere from, you know, two to four weeks, sometimes longer, studying them, praying mm-hmm. with them, you know, getting to know their story. It's it's to the point now where it's like I know if I'm ready to draw them <laughs> and and sometimes I just know there's something I'm missing. It's just a um it's an intuition thing. And you know the deep connection that I have with them. So the other interesting thing too is that you know people come to me with their commissions of the saints that they would like. But that happens to come to me at a time when I need them too. So when the time comes up on my commission list, you know, to work on that saint, it's always when I need them in my life as well.
0: Tell us more about that. (laughs)
1: Um, Well, if you want me to get into a little personal story and I'll keep it short, but uh, the biggest one for me, I mean, they've all been a huge part of my life, but um, two that stick out the most for me were in January of the earlier this year. I was working on studying Polly Murray, and I was having to make a very, uh, very personal, very deep decision um, that kind of changed the course of my life. <laughs> and with especially with the church, and there was a quote that came up when I was reading one of Polly's books, and the quote was, "Surrender to none the fire of your soul." And I lost it. Like I read this quote over and over and over again. And I ended up putting it in her icon. um, Because it was exactly what I needed to hear to help me make that decision. (laughs) And so that quote, like just stays with me all the time. And it's a reminder of, I made the right decision. And I didn't surrender my soul to anyone. And so that one sticks with me. (laughs) And then the most recent, Uh, The icon I just finished was Jesus the Gardener. And I've been dealing with some pretty serious health issues the past six months that have kind of all culminated to right now. And Jesus the Gardener was a vision that I had, you know, story for a later time. But um, you're familiar with Nadia Bowles-Weber?
2: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah. Yeah. She talks about how, um, you know, she sees... Jesus with dirty hands because he's dirty from the resurrection. And she's describing the part where Mary Magdalene confuses him as the gardener. And that's always stuck out to me because I don't see like the perfect clean, you know, white dress to silky hair, Jesus, that some people do. (laughs) I see the one that has his wounds open and dirt on his face And that's how he comes to us and we recognize him. Um, you know, just like Thomas had to recognize him by seeing and touching his wounds. Mm -hmm. And so the icon that I did for Jesus, the gardener, he's, his face is covered in dirt. His hands are covered in dirt. (laughs) You know, he's got a little blood and scratches on him because I feel like that's how we see each other. And with going through so many health issues right now, um, you know, I feel a little dirty and bruised and that's okay because other people are dirty and bruised too. That's an amazing story,
2: Kristen. Thank you. And, and it, it kind of gets us in a, a place in the conversation I was hoping that we would go because I'm really curious, like iconography is an important spiritual practice for a lot of people because so many other spiritual practices are all kind of word-based or auditory or their thoughts. Um, Iconography is something that's visible and tangible. Absolutely. And, And therefore, like you, as somebody who is the creator of this icon, which could be an important part of somebody else's spiritual practice, like, how do you How you talked about it just a little bit there, but I wanna hear more. How do you think about what should the saint look like? Like, what should the expression on their face be? What should the color of their skin be? Uh, You know, what kind of clothes should they be wearing? Because so much of our encounter and our experience with icons is, is very clearly tied to those decisions that you're making along the way.
1: Right. So what I hear you asking is, like, how do I come up with what they look like? Yeah,
2: as, as you're sitting there and you've you've been commissioned and you're doing this prayer and you're doing this study, is there just a point at which you go, okay, I've I've got it, I've got what what the gardener Jesus needs to look like? Or yeah,
1: so yeah. kind of how that happens, and it and it varies because there are some more modern saints that we actually have photographs of, yeah. and there's some that have been written about in such detail that their physical descriptions are there. but then there are so many that are not or they've been interpreted originally in the wrong way like you know someone from the middle of africa is depicted as white and that just if they're from there that just didn't happen you know what i mean so you have to take all of that into account when you're studying just like when we study the bible you have to take into account you know historically what was going on at the time um you know, what was going on in the area that helped people make these decisions or not, right? Mm
2: -hmm. And
1: what areas are they from? What might they have looked like? So it's a very theological and direct, you know, for a lot of it. Um, Sometimes it's just a lot of prayer. Um, But usually what happens, and I always laugh because sometimes it makes people uncomfortable, when I'm like teaching retreats and things like that, but I love making people uncomfortable (laughs) because that's kind of the point, Um, is that I generally have a vision of what they will look like. So Jesus the gardener, for instance, was actually an icon that was not commissioned by somebody. I had a vision um, about a week before Easter earlier this year, and I got up in the middle of the night and put together the, the information I needed and sketched it the next day. So that happens a lot with me. Um, I'm trying to think like Rose of Lima was one that really sticks out for me too. She had a lot of physical description um, that she was very pale and very beautiful. That's why her name was Rose and just kind of reminded me of like Snow White, you know? So, (laughs) and I had all this other information about her. So I knew what she was going to wear. I knew what was going to be included. Um, You know, I take a lot of notes when I'm studying. And how I take notes, too, is that I'll write down words or descriptors that kind of, like, describe their story. If I'm saying it in, like, kind of one-word form, does that make sense? (laughs)
0: Yeah, it sounds almost like Lectio Divina.
1: It's very much like Lectio Divina. And the visuals are very much Visio Divina. So that's really how it's all become such a prayer practice, a spiritual practice for myself is, you know, I'm, I'm interpreting this for kind of everybody else, but specifically the person who's commissioned, but it's very much a practice for me. And that's why in this kind of artwork, you know, it's not like other commissions where people would tell you exactly what they want and exactly what they want you to do or change. That's mm-hmm. not how this works <laughs> because it's such a um spiritual practice, <laughs> if we're keeping on that topic. Amazing. Because <laughs> of that, like I am unwilling to change things. Mm. Because if I've seen it and I know them and I know their story, I'm not willing to change that. Um Rose is another another, for instance, the person that commissioned her has two young children and there was a point in Rose's story because she was plagued with um, nightmares and night terrors. And she had like visions of hellfire and the devil. And I mean, just like really, really dark stuff. I knew I couldn't not include that in her icon, but I was also very aware that this was going to be hanging in someone's house who had children. And I didn't want like, just some scary depiction of the devil in it. So Mm -hmm. I called her and discussed that with her and she immediately started crying. And it was because she told me, she said, you couldn't have known this, but my children are both plagued with nightmares and night terrors. And so in discovering, you know, roses from Peru, they actually, I found out that they have this parade there and they wear these Peruvian double masks and they're really colorful and kind of art deco-y looking. And so I included that as the image of the devil rather than, you know, some scary depiction of it. So there was uh, a story that I
0: think I recently read you, you um, posted about, and it was at this, this last art show that you were at, there was, um, you usually tell people about, about the icon, right. That they want to purchase and you kind of give them the backstory. And I can't remember you posted something about, you didn't have a chance to finish telling the people. And so you wanted to oh, go yeah. find them. Yes. about that. This, it's a similar situation, right? It, it, it is.
1: It's, it never, it should never surprise me at this point. It doesn't surprise my spiritual director anymore but, (laughs) but it always does. (laughs) Like, it's always if if I had a title for the book of my life, it would be like surprise of the spirit. But it would be like surprise of the spirit. (laughs) Um, (laughs) No, I have one icon that I had actually done. um, I don't want to say for myself, it's, you know, for everyone, because that's just how this works out. But um, pretty early on, and I've been doing this almost four years now. So I want to say it was the end of my first year into my second year of doing this. um, I had kept seeing this name Rita come up. And it was getting to the point where this saint stuff was just kind of getting out of control, like not in a bad way, but just like (laughs) taking over my life. (laughs) And so I interpreted that as there must be a Saint Rita who's like trying to say something to me right now. And I kept looking it up and I was like, there is a St. Rita and she is the patron saint of, and this was during the pandemic. She's the patron saint of difficult marriages, difficult family relationships and abused women. And just like Jude, she is also the patron saint of impossible causes. And I was like, people need her right now. (laughs) And so I did an icon of her And every single time I've put her out, which is pretty much every time, but not, not quite. Um, Anytime I put her out at an art show, um, a retreat, a workshop, anytime I'm speaking, anything like that, no one knows her story because she's a pretty Catholic saint. So not a whole lot of like Episcopalians or other people know about her and they're, they're drawn to her and it's always women. Now, Rita's holding a skull in the icon, so she kind of sticks out. She has kind of a Shakespearean-level story to her. But um, nevertheless, people come to her, and then I'll tell her story. And one of two things happens, which always results in them purchasing. (laughs) I don't do it on purpose, like, to sell it. I'm just, like, trying to tell the story, you know? Um, I don't ever want it to come across like, oh yeah, the story is so cool and you should buy it and take it home with you. Um, But one of two things happens, either they'll start crying and they'll purchase it and I'll know why. Because when I tell them what Rita's the patron saint of, I know what they're going through or someone close to them is going through. Or they'll tell me their life story. (laughs) And two weeks ago when I did that art show at my church was no exception. So this woman had approached me and I'm telling her the story. She asked about St. Rita. I'm telling her and her friend about St. Rita. But at the end, I forgot to mention what she's the patron saint of. And they purchased the icon and they started walking around. And I was like, oh, I forgot to tell her. And knowing how Rita is, I'm sure that this is going to resonate with her because that's just what happens. So I went and found her and I was like, oh, I forgot to tell you. Um, that she's the patron saint of impossible causes like dude, um, you know, abusive relationships, marriages, families, and abused women. And the woman looked at me like speechless and her friend started crying and said, you have no idea how particular that is right now. And I just smiled and said, that's Rita. This is what she does. It's
0: I I love the um, energy that comes with the icons and the um that they're it's not a static thing but they're they're truly speaking they're In speaking living for yeah it. the what the cloud for? witnesses right like they're part yeah. of our cloud of witnesses
1: yeah. exactly i call them you know people ask me um you know i get so into their stories. And, and I feel like I know them. I call them my friends (laughs) because I'm surrounded by them and I know their, their backstory, just like I would know of a friend, you know? Mm
0: -hmm. Do you ever talk back to them? Yes. (laughs) So, so Sofriana Scott uh, wrote a book (laughs) about Thomas Merton and she talks on one of the chapters about how she kind of uh, schools him a little bit on some of his uh, issues. And and I, I found it interesting. I went, well, I never thought about that. But it makes so much sense. Right?
1: Right. Well, we talk back to God, too. So exactly. exactly. <laughs> and not trying to, you know, elevate them to that level. But that's just, you know, um, that's the mystical part of it. My I laugh because I immediately think of Francis of Assisi. Mm-hmm. And everybody thinks that they know Francis, like he's the patron saint of animals and blah, blah, blah. He's so much more than that. So much more than that. But Hmm. when I did his first icon, I'll never forget stopping the act of painting and laughing out loud because I swear, I heard him say to me, you know, like very sarcastically and dry, dry humor, like my husband has very sarcastically. Dry humor says, you know, you tell him you like a dog one time and suddenly you're the patron saint of animals.
0: (laughs) We have some friends who are Franciscans and, um. My one friend, uh, Ingrid, a little shout out to my friend, Ingrid. She said, I never wear my habit on the plane because people all of a sudden tell you about their bird baths."
1: Yes. <laughs> She's like, there's so much
0: more to us than bird baths." Yes,
1: exactly. And so that always makes me laugh. And I'm like, you know, Francis did say that because, you know, he knows now that I know more about him and that, you know, people make assumptions thinking they know about him, but there's so much more to him than, than animals.
0: Mm-hmm. So <laughs> true. Yeah,
2: Have you, you mentioned surprise earlier as being such an important and central part of you and your life story and your spirituality, you know, are you ever surprised even after all of your prayer and your research into these people, when you, when you sit down to write the icon, have you ever been surprised at at what came forward?
1: Absolutely. Um, another recent example, and I feel like I'm talking a lot, but I know this is a podcast. You're supposed
0: um,
1: to. It's good. Yes. <laughs> but I, I'm also like, you get me talking about the saints and I'll tell you about them all day long. Um, so recently I did an icon of St. Rock and or Rocco. Some people know him as Rock or Rocco or Rocky, <laughs> all kinds of different names. But um he is the patron saint of dogs and plagues.
0: That's an you know. interesting combo.
1: Exactly, right? And the only reason I knew about him, um, I didn't know his story, but I had heard of him before, is because here in New Orleans, we have a cemetery named after him. You know, it's a pretty Catholic city, and most of the cemeteries are named after saints, but there's usually a reason that goes with that. And the St. Rock Cemetery here is known Um, they have this tiny little chapel on the inside that's only open once a month on one day for one hour, (laughs) and it was closed for a long time after Katrina because they had a lot of uh, water damage and everything. That they didn't have um, refurbished until recently, actually. But they have this tiny little chapel where people have left like their medical aids, (laughs) like their fake legs or casts. Or wow. All these kinds of things, right? All these kinds of weird things, right? As a thank you to St. Rock for healing them. And I've always been fascinated by it, but I've never been able to see the chapel because anytime I went, it was closed, like for good or just wasn't open at all. And St. Rocks icon was coming up and I was like, I have to plan this strategically because it would be great if I could take the icon to the chapel and have it blessed there. Right. Because (laughs) this is also the national shrine of St. Rock, which usually means that there's some sort of relic there. Mm -hmm. Um, They won't always tell you what it is or where it is, but that's usually what the, you know, the interpretation of shrine means with the Catholic church anyway. And um, I had finished this icon And the part of me that was really surprised is, well, how am I going to tell the story about the plague? And I was like, oh, a plague doctor mask tells that story. And so that's how that part kind of came up. And then there's, um, you know, like a, a fake leg and everything in there too. And that's referring back to the cemetery in New Orleans. So fast forward to the day that I find out The day, the hour and the time, you know, that the chapel is open and that there's a service, a healing service before that. So I go there and there is no one there. Like I'm parked out front and I'm like, great, my luck. There's going to be no one here. (laughs) This isn't going to happen. And this, this was a surprise day. This is why I'm sharing this because I shouldn't be surprised anymore. Like I said, my spiritual director isn't. But this was like, I kept having to kind of pull over myself and just like laugh and cry at the same time. <laughs> um, but I walked in and there's this man standing there and he looks to me, he looks exactly like St. Francis. Like he was kind of bald on the top of his head and just like he had curly hair and this, this kind of demeanor that he was just waiting for me. And he was a complete stranger. And all of a sudden, and he has no idea who I am or what I'm there for or why, and he immediately starts talking to me about saints, <laughs> and I just start laughing, and I was like, "You won't believe this," but you know. And I tell him, and he he said, "I'm here for the healing service because Saint Rock is my patron saint."
0: Oh my gosh!
1: <laughs> and then he pulls out his Tau cross because he's a Third Order Franciscan, <laughs> and I'm. Just in there laughing and I was like, Francis, see what you did there. Um, because Roth was also a third order Franciscan. <laughs> oh, so that's wow. but it gets worse and worse. I mean, not, you know, bad, but just like <laughs> it gets more intense. Um, so we're talking and we we realized that there's not going to be a service there that day. And part of me was really disappointed because this icon needed to get shipped out to the person who commissioned it. And I really wanted to have it blessed. There, and then immediately the words came out of my mouth before they went through filtered through my brain, and I I asked my new friend if he would bless the icon, and so he did, and we so we stood in the middle of Saint Rock Cemetery, and he blessed the Saint Rock icon, and I was like I could not have planned that better, <laughs> and as, as the chapel was closed, and I was like well just another day I don't get to see the chapel, but at least I got the icon blessed. So I walked around a little bit, took a few pictures, because that's what you do in the cemeteries here. And as I was walking out, a truck was pulling in, and they were wearing a shirt that said um, New Orleans Catholic Cemeteries. And I said to him, you know, I thought the chapel was supposed to be open today. He he said, oh, it opens in 30 minutes, but I'd be happy to open for you now. Wow. Wow. And and I just stood there laughing and he asked me if everything was okay. And I was like, everything's fine. It's fine. (laughs) And he opened the chapel. I had the whole place to myself. Um, I make it sound big. It's not a big place at all. And (laughs) I had the whole chapel to myself for at least 30 minutes before people started showing up, trickling in and taking pictures of the icon on, um, you know, on, you know, like all the stuff around the chapel and things like that. And and I'm just shaking my head the whole time like, wow, Rock really wanted his icon, you know, blessed. Here and wanted me oh. to see this chapel. And then it got it got even more um, you know, just kind of out there. Like, people wouldn't believe it unless they were actually there and saw it happen. But there is an organization I'm part of in New Orleans called Save Our Cemeteries. And they they basically raise funds to repair a lot of the um, graves that have been kind of left to the wayside and help take care of the cemeteries. It's just a big thing here. And I've been having this urge to like reach out to someone and maybe teach a class about the saints of new Orleans, not the football ones, but the holy ones. You know? <laughs> <laughs> <And> <laughs> because they do this lecture series and I was like, I wonder if they'd be interested in that, but I also don't want to be too forward. Right. Right. I bring that up is this guy walks in and he's like, ooh, what's that? And we immediately start talking about St. Rock. And he's like, you know, my partner runs this organization. And I "I stopped him and I said, if you tell me at Save Our Cemeteries right now, <laughs> he goes, how did you know?
0: Oh, my goodness.
1: So his partner runs the, org- she's like the president of the organization, right? He's like, you have to see her. And, you know, talk about maybe teaching a class about the saints. And I'm just like shaking my head at this point, right? Like you cannot make this up. And later in that week, I was already scheduled to go to one of their lectures. And he said, I'm going to be there. I'll introduce you to her. Wow. So later that week, I met her in person. Like we've built a friendship. I met with her a couple of weeks ago when she did a tour at a cemetery and we have it scheduled for March. So <laughs> when you have stuff like that. I mean, that happens pretty, that kind of thing happens pretty regularly with the Saints. This one was like way more vibrant, I think, than uh, ones of the past. But that's the kind of stuff that happens.
0: So it's funny. I'm just like, uh, I, I'm laughing a little bit because, you know, beginning of this season, this podcast season, Rich and I had this grand plan uh, that was, they that had it all planned out and it was a really good plan. We, we right. like would like to say it was a good plan, even though we're saying <laughs> You that. know
1: what God says about plans. <laughs> you know.
0: Well, and I think, think increasingly closer just to record that first session, we realized um, we couldn't make it happen. It wasn't unrealistic with where we both are and uh, our seminary time and life and everything and so we we both were actually relieved that the other person was okay with not implementing (laughs) the plan and uh we realized that we were forcing the plan instead of finding the plan right Right. and um as you're talking i just i'm i'm just tickled but surprised uh, (laughs) that this is exactly what what god was inviting us to this season it That's clearly awesome.
2: seems to be the theme of this season. This, <laughs> You know, a plan can be good in that it gets you in to take the first step. You know, your right. plan got you to the place. But how we imagine that will go, um, you know, if we try to force that, uh, we're going to miss what God is showing up to do, which is yes. something that is going to be surprising and is something that we could have imagined
1: for sure. sure. It's, it's how I see like when traveling there's people who like go all out traveling or, you know, um, trying to schedule like every minute of every day when they're going <laughs> somewhere. Right. And yeah. my husband, my husband is a planner. <laughs> like he likes th- he likes to know when things are going to happen, specifically when he's going to eat, when he's going to be able to rest. And he wants to know what time he's also a graphic designer. So that makes sense. You know, everything's measured and perfect and And I'm an artist and, and we're both artists, but that's how we can live together is because we're like opposite ends of the artist spectrum. (laughs) And I can really frustrate him because I'm very organic and that's like my life, not just my art. And he has to have, you know, he'll look at an icon and he'll be like, you know, the halo's not centered. And I'm like, would you, you know, Francis doesn't care. (laughs) Okay, love it. You know, and it's like when you're traveling, you have to like have a plan, you know, I'd like to do this, this day or this, this day, or, you know, this in the morning or in the afternoon, but you have to leave room for surprise because otherwise you're going to miss out on everything.
0: <laughs> it's so true. And I'm I'm looking, as you were talking, I pulled up the icons that you were talking about. So Rich and I could see them real time. And for our listeners, we will put links to those in the notes but I'm looking at Rocco, and
1: uh, it looks a little pilgrim-like. Um, he is, yep. he's a patron saint of pilgrims as well.
0: Oh, uh, well, yeah. okay. And because I'm, I'm like, well, those look like shells, yes. and that looks like the gourd and the yes. staff that when I did my my Camino this summer, yes. I've seen those before. And yes. in being a pilgrim, it, there's a very different um, approach, right? Being a pilgrim as opposed to being a um someone on vacation, a tourist. Right. right. And it's about letting go of our plans and (laughs) walking. Yeah, walking the pilgrimage we're we're meant to walk and not the one we've planned. That was what my husband and I learned quickly. And that's what I'm hearing you say as well
1: in this process. Well I mean this whole thing has been a surprise had you told me pre pandemic that um, I would be giving up everything else I'm doing and just studying the saints. I would have been like, uh-huh, okay, whatever, <laughs> <It's nice laughs> you, know, <idea. laughs> you know, but, um, but now, like, like I said, it surprises me every day, but also it shouldn't, but I'm glad that it does. If mm-hmm. that makes sense, it keeps me, it, it's, I don't get tired of doing it because every story is different. Every saint is different. Um, you know, I get to paint I get to write, I get to preach, I get to teach, (laughs) you know, and all of those things, I'm not doing just one thing all the time. So artists get bored with that. (laughs) And I have not, I've been doing this in March will be four years and um, which amazes me, but I'm, I've never gotten tired of it not once. So
2: means there's real life and real vitality there. And, um, you know, Chris, and that's what really, I think at the heart of what we're getting at with this podcast is the ability to find your rhythm. And it's not always how we expect, but once we find it, you know, there's a new life and a new vitality that's that's unexpected. and And a lot of the times the church has imagined spirituality to be a checklist. Yeah. A checklist. A yes. Scripted process. Right. And it's right. just
1: not. Exactly. Or I'm Christian because I checkmark, checkmark, checkmark. I went to church on Sunday. I had Holy Communion. Um, you know, I helped somebody and, but I, then I told people about it, you know, it's, it's like this uh, imaginary checklist that just shouldn't exist because that is not at all what Jesus meant.
0: <laughs> it, it is. It's so much more organic and, um, Life giving and perhaps a little terrifying sometimes too. Yeah. If we're all being honest here, it, it's. Uh, but I've been told word on the street is that um, <laughs> if it doesn't terrify you a little bit, it might not be from God.
1: Right. Exactly. <laughs> like I think about that when I've um, when I've preached before, is you know there was scary things that come out. You know, when you want to, when you're writing it down, I can't yes. do extraneous preaching. That's just, I'm a writer. I can't. But, um, you know, things will come out and I think, God, am I supposed to say that out loud? Like, <laughs> is this too much? Yes. And God says, exactly. People need to hear it. You need to hear it. And, uh, and you know, because we know that in preaching, it's mostly what we personally need to hear as well. Right. And,
0: oh, <laughs> and so I think all... those are the best sermons, Kristen, the one we
1: need. Exactly. Exactly. The ones that are hard, uh, a hard listen. It's, you know, God never said we wouldn't suffer. And we, we were never told that church was going to be easy. Um, and church isn't, you know, as we know, just in the building, it's out in the world. None of it was supposed to be easy. It wasn't easy for any of the saints. You know, that's the thing that gets me. People say, you, you know, you hear growing up all the time people say, oh, so and so is such a saint as if referring to them as like this perfect, you know, all-knowing kind of person. Uh But the saints that I know, (laughs) you know, they were once murderers and thieves and addicts and, Mm
0: -hmm. you know,
1: treated people, you know, treated themselves and other people like crap, you know. But Mm -hmm. they learned their lessons and they still weren't even perfect after that. And that's why I enjoy their stories so much. And we relate to them so much because they're just like us.
0: So true. I think that's what I love about it too. The complexity, Um, sometimes hagiographies, I'm not saying yours, Kristen, but other hagiographies historically, they kind of make them superheroes. Yes. Uh, And, and uh, missing the parts of them that are, uh, you know, a little prickly or a little challenging or not clean and sparkly. And I think that's the part that's inviting to me though, is that it's not about being clean and sparkly. Exactly. It's, it's about being authentic.
1: I call it when I'm, when I'm teaching, um, you know, about the saints, I call it the dark and dirty bits. I'm (laughs) because it makes people uncomfortable and I like doing that, but it's, That's the part of their stories that like, I am really called to tell, you know, there's, there's several of my icons that are on the darker side. Um, Lucy is one of them. If you wanted to look at her Rose also, um, and Rita, and they can be hard for people to look at. Uh, Margaret of Antioch is another one. She was swallowed by a dragon. And then she had a cross in her hand that burned a hole in the dragon's stomach. And she was like birthed from the dragon. So she's the patron saint of childbirth. Yeah, (laughs) really dark stuff. But I don't shy away from depicting that in the icons because as a child, I was plagued with nightmares and night terrors, like I told you. And I've had a lot of really dark parts of my life that I very openly share with other people because I know it opens conversation. And if I don't, you know, treat the saints the same way and tell their story honestly, then what's the point? And it makes people uncomfortable. And like, there's one, it's not necessarily dark. It's just honest. I have a um, Madonna and child where she's breastfeeding, but both of her breasts are exposed. And some people will come up and be like, you know, Mary was very modest. And I'm like, oh, (laughs) like, I want to say, how do you know, 2000 years ago, that wasn't a thing, you know, um, right. but, but then I have most people come up, and they immediately pick it up and, and say, thank you for being honest. You know? Um, yeah, so it just, it depends on the per- the person. But what I always tell people when they talk about the dark parts of the story, I said, it makes people uncomfortable, because it's uncomfortable to look at our own dark and dirty bits. And looking at those icons forces us to, you know, reconcile or remedy or acknowledge it in some way. Mm-hmm. And that's, so I don't take anything people say personally, because it's almost kind of like my, my spiritual director said, it's kind of like a therapy thing. <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> you know, and we all have dark sides, right? We yeah, all have we've dark sides. we all had sides. bad stuff happen. You know, the saints yeah. were no exception.
2: And if we're going to engage in the spiritual life, then it's going to take us there. If we're going to be honest with ourselves, if we're going to be For honest, sure. with God, we're going For to sure. have to look at both, at both the saint and the sinner, both the, the beauty and the pain, and everything right. in
1: between. Yeah. So, what did God say really, to Paul? You know. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Something, I really something about it. you will suffer. You know. <laughs> oh, teeth. Indeed, Kristen. Yeah. Thank you
0: so much. Oh, thank Absolutely. you.
2: Your your uh, website's amazing. It's got all of these uh, saints uh, on it uh, in this really nice little Choose Your Saint uh, drop-down bar we've been exploring. So we're going to be linking uh, <laughs> to Kristen's work in our show notes. We really encourage uh, those of you who are listening to go check out her website, ModernIconographer.com, where you're going to be able to look at all of these uh icons we've been talking about, and so much more. Uh, Thank you, Kristen, for your incredible ministry, this gift that you're giving all of us in being a modern iconographer.
1: Thank you so much. I appreciate it.
0: Uh, Oh, yes, this has been great. And I uh, also want to just add on to that, you don't have to commission one, like you have other ones that you've already written that people can buy all different sizes. And And so that's actually the cool part. And that's how I I originally got to know um, Kristen and you have coloring book pages. So it's fun. You can play with painting your own um, or writing your own. Well, thank you so much. And uh, we are looking forward to uh, finding out how our listeners uh, learn to sit with the saints too, just like you invited us, Kristen.
2: Yeah, let us know which one uh, you see on Kristen's website that you love and that's speaking to you.
1: Yeah, I would love to hear stories like that, so. So, well, thank you.
0: And that's a wrap on the latest episode of Finding Our Rhythm. We hope you found Kristen Wheeler's insights about iconography as enlightening as we did. We hope that you don't forget to subscribe for some more inspiring episodes and we love to hear from you. Please drop us a comment or review and let us know your thoughts. Until next time, keep finding your rhythm. Thanks for tuning in.